Welcome back, y'all. My name is Apollo Mighty, and right now, I am right here. Right now, I'm right here. Uh, today, I am joined by a good friend, a new good friend, a blossoming relationship, uh, the rapper, songwriter, artist, model, uh, <laughs> just all around homie. Roy Kinsey is here with me today, co-hosting. How you doing, boss? Yes, I feel great. I love that intro. Thank you. Nobody ain't nobody's called me a model before, but I'm gonna take it. <laughs> well, I told you, I was I was looking at that at that cover, um, and I I promise you, I thought it was two of y'all. I'm I'm not joking. I thought you had a twin. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different uh, reactions that I've. I've received. I don't know if I've heard that though. I don't know if people, people, people look closely at it though, and they're just like, "Oh, that's you and you." How did you? And so yeah, but I don't know if people ever thought that I had a twin. But that's funny. I mean, I like that though. I like art that does that. I'm yeah. I mean, I can tell because I I feel like from everything that I've seen that you released there's been like a method to it, you know? Uh, what's, your, what's your process in, around choosing artwork or do you just go into a photo shoot, take it and what, whatever's the best one, you just, you know, make that the cover art? You know, the for the first, so for Blackie and for Moroy, the tape, the tape that's orange uh, and then Blackie, my really good friend, she's moved to Spain. Her name is Diana Delgado. And she took those pictures, and this was before Blackie was even written, right? Mm. So before Blackie was even written, she just, you know, would gas me all the time. She wouldn't say it like that, but she would just gas me all the time. And uh, she was really um, dedicating more and more of herself to her art practice of uh, photography. And and we and I came over one day and uh, shot those pictures with her. And uh, mm. it was just a really, really, you know, great shoot, but we ended up getting the Blackie cover from that. And I just couldn't believe when I got the, that picture back that I'm like, this is so powerful. Just the image that when I had then chose it to be my album cover, it kind of gave me vibes from like, Get Out. And then it also mm. helped for me to um, usher uh, myself into a lot of different topics to kind of cover on the Blackie album. That's and, dope. Yeah, and I love art that does that. For, you know, photography, visual art, you know, the working in symbols um, can, can be very transformative for your art practice as a writer. That could be uh, portals, and that's kind of how I looked at it. And so all of these kind of lend themselves to their own story um but they also uh look like they are part of a collection for some reason they all look like they were probably taken by one photographer they kind of make sense there's this cohesiveness that that exists within them and by the time i was doing the kenzie album i knew what i wanted to cover you know uh uh, theme-wise on the album and um, I had reached out to him because I was I was inspired by the cover for Looking for Langston which is mm. a film um, by Isaac Julian uh, 
that is like this art film about Langston Hughes's life, right? And there's a cover that exists with him and like his lover. And so, you know, even if we talk about Langston Hughes now, there's still not a ton, right? Of, right, right, right. of work around Langston Hughes' queerness, but we know, right? The girls know, right. and so, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of wanted to express that on my art, but also having it be a continuation of the themes that I brought up, things of self-worth, uh, themes of self-worth and, and uh, ex you know, self-acceptance and mm. shadow work and accepting, accepting yourself. So where I felt oh. like I had created this image around Blackie that was based heavily uh, in, um, I I'd say church, uh, it was very, a very spiritual, very spiritual album. If anybody came and seen any of the performances, we would, you know, we were creating altars. We had, uh, you know, my aunt was singing hymns, you know, like there's a, it was an offering to my grandmother. So it was very rooted in this like Christian way of um, uh, worshiping. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that didn't lead much you know, and so my queerness. And so that's when the uh, the the self that I had separated and compartmentalized, you know, compartmentalizing your sexuality and your spirituality over here, your blackness over here. I'm just kind of like, oh, it's time to have a process of individuation and bring all of these selves that you relegated to the sides it's time to bring them all together to you know make a whole person and so that's what the cover for Kenzie was about when there was two Roy's on there like you know that's a that's a problem we should be accepting you know ourselves and which is which is why the on the back of the cover it's one person <laughs> right mm-hmm yeah. Okay. I want to make sure that like I'm not taking liberties in the way that I dissect your intentionality behind the art. Well, but... I mean, artists that's what art is for. That's what art is for. It's exactly for that. Wow. Bro, I think it's so I first off, you just hit me with an amble. Like just just so beautiful. Like, because I love how intentional you are about what you're creating. And I love how your voice right now, I love how your voice is like an instrument and for the narrative of so many of our people. And when I say our people, I'm talking about black, queer, grew up in the church, have, like you said, compartmentalized my personality for so long. And right now it's almost like a reckoning. I'm almost like now coming to a place of like, wait, no, 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 no. There's there's but one and all these things are true. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the thing that so many of us struggle with in the black community. When, when you're queer, you're like, well, how can I love a God that tells me that the world has told me hates me? What is your, what is your, what has your, I guess, like, what has your journey been like up until now? I know you talked about it a lot on the album, but for like behind that, what does it feel like now in your, in your spiritual life? I, I am, I'm really lucky, I think, to, so 
So I grew up with queer parents, my mom and her partner, right? Mm. So I have two moms and, but the spirituality, so, so her, so watch, watching and even continuing to learn about my mother's partner and to think about her more, you know, if we're looking at a spectrum, she would look, you know, more masculine, I guess in community, she'd be called the stud. I don't know how she would identify. I don't want to project that onto her, but I'm really just trying to paint a picture of the person that we're dealing with, right? So right. this is her. We are, uh, I have to then, I have to start going to a um, uh, after school program after my grandmother passes away, uh, not passes away, uh, it gets into a, an accident that, you know, she has to be in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. This is when I'm seven years old, so she can't pick me up from oh. school anymore. I have to go to this after-school program. This is where I see this person who is androgynous. This is where I see her for the first time. This is where my mother sees her. Um, but there was a choir there as well. And every year we would be like, so I, so I get into this choir, right? She's the choir director amongst many other things at this uh, YMCA-esque type of place, but we're singing spiritual songs all the time with a choir director that, uh, you know, looks like Deborah does. So we're all, so we're never without God and singing the word of, and singing the word of God, these heavy gospel songs, right? Like we travel to churches, we travel to nursing homes, we travel and perform at high schools, we are performing everywhere. When it comes to church, you know, we found a church for the last maybe 15, 20 years of our lives, but in those formative years, that was that felt like how we were worshiping God and it wasn't in somebody else's mm -hmm. church. And I knew that they were always looking for a church home, but it never really stuck until we uh, until they bought a house, until we got older, until I was probably um, a sophomore. We had been going to this church for a while that's in the neighborhood. And then I was baptized at the lake by the then reverend. Before that, though, you know, so it so it was just very it was very makeshift uh, spirituality, kind of like however it is for you. Gospel was played in the house. We were always learning and rehearsing these songs. We were, you know, raised pretty well. But I think that it gave me the agency to seek out what spirituality was going to look like and be for me. And then, you know, when I'm understanding my own queerness, uh, the end of grade school, high school, it really helped me to kind of develop and shape my own and dust my own path off, right? And so, that looked like a lot of ways in early college it was yoga and a ton of meditation um as of late has been african spirituality and even understanding mm -hmm. queerness in african spirituality and understanding that while there may not have been a word for gayness or queerness and African spirituality, the practice is very old, obviously. You know what I mean? Right. Like 
female kings were commonplace, right? It's just certain things that we do not talk about in our Western world. And so it's it's a thing that is uh, ever evolving for, for me, but I've always kind of had the agency of of building a spiritual life and a spiritual practice for myself. You know, there was a great foundation that was kind of laid for me, um, but we were just always operating first and foremost off of the golden rule, which is, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. And my grandmother was like that. My parents, my two moms were like that. And I'm kind of lucky to, to have grown up in that way you know, I mean, the church home that we have now is a really beautiful, open, welcoming, affirming church with a lot of queer members in it. Great, you know, uh, and that's the church home that we needed. And that's what we knew we weren't finding when my right. parents were walking around with two six and seven year old boys and a 10 year old daughter, right? Like we already, they knew what kind of family they were before it really clocked for me, but, but you know, just kind of like we were talking about uh, last night, it, they, they will be quick to <laughs> talk about praying away the the spirit of homosexuality and blah, blah, blah. And, and right. that that's not why I came to church. That's not why I want to go. That's not why I'm taking my family to church to feel, even if we were straight, right. even if we were straight, that is not an idea. I don't want my kids carrying around any prejudices or hates or anything that they learned in church. Now they feel that they can weaponize and use it against the next person because of whatever reason. That is not right. the church home that I'm looking for. That's not why I woke up and, and dedicated my Sunday morning. You know, we are looking for, you know, more love and togetherness and, and some tools to help us to come together. And so they were always out when they heard something like that. One of the things that has always, I think, hurt me the most was when I knew that I was being, um, I knew that God's love was in a way being weaponized against me and people, and pe well, people's perception of God's love was being weaponized against me. And they would say things like, well, the Lord didn't make you that way, but the Lord can save you. And, and people, who I respected, loved, needed to yeah. survive um, were the ones who made me feel like the lowest sometimes. And more so than just that, made me very afraid to be honest. Mm -hmm. I know we talk a lot about, um, because of, uh, I think the conversation we had last night sparked from Lil Nas X's music video and how it really started to expose the trauma that the church can inflict upon people. Even that is so deep. I just watched something um, uh, with um, Skip Gates, who does a lot of the genealogy for the stars, knowing your know your roots. He does mm. just writes a bunch of books. He's the one that was um, arrested in his home 
you know, uh, during Obama's presidency because they because he got locked out and they thought he was breaking. This old man was breaking into his own house. Oh, That's the case. I heard so that. He just I heard did, that. Uh, yeah, the Black Church. He just did his whole documentary series on the Black Church and talked about that very thing. Actually, I think we, as you know, um, having a lot of cultures uh, or a lot of intersections, as you said have a lot to kind of work through. Intentionality is so important. In our in our artistry, you know, we had artists that cared about us as much as we care about our art and care about, right? So me being intentional about the art that I create, the art that I put out, it's because artists cared for me enough to put out a good product. Yeah. Right. And not a product. Sure. I don't even want to call it a, a, a product, but they cared enough about art to add to the canon of great art. And, a, and with that came a great story. Right. Yeah. When you think about Michael Jackson telling songs, you know, they don't care about us giving us these big budget films to simply tell a story that is going to change the world and how we see and how we should be, right? These are, they look like commodities now, but these were pieces of art that were so powerful that they were ingrained in the minds of young people. A story of of unity, of coming together, of being like how ridiculous is like racism, how ridiculous is police brutality, you know, Michael's, they don't really care about us, but bringing black people together, him doing remember the time, you know, and showing us in these very regal representations, you get of that legacy, people like Beyonce, who was doing the same thing, and and telling those same stories, you get on that stage, you get on, get in front of that mic, what will you say and how will you kind of change the world? And that's why it's really, really important. So I don't really feel, you know, it's not a, uh, I just feel like I wanna live in that, being a part of that legacy. I want to tell the stories that are going to help us heal and be the things that we needed, right? If if it doesn't exist, there's a gap for, you know, there's a gap for me and I'm understanding and realizing what I needed as an, you know, as a, as a young boy, I need somebody that is going to be like, it's okay. I read Terrell McCraney's just, just at the end of the, the year, Right. Mm. I just stumbled upon it at the library and I'm shelving this book and I'm like, what? I didn't know Terrell McCrady had a book, you know, he like I didn't I had no idea. But I'm like, I need to get into this. It's called The Brother and Sister Plays and it mm. merges these things that I am so in love with, which is like, of course, my blackness and queerness and African spirituality. So my favorite Orishas. Wow. He has put in this play, that played at Steppenwolf actually, put in this play and my favorite Orishas is a queer in, in Louisiana. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I'm like, yes, Terrell, perfect, exactly, right? Because then very much like how I was trying to do on Kenzie, you bring these worlds together and now it is more than a piece of art it is a living document it is something that people pray to right it is right. an altar it is like 
oh my God, somebody out of their mind wrote this thing, put it into a book. I can go buy this book and now I read it. It helps me on my way to being an individual and, it's, sure. and now it's on my and now it's on my altar as a thing that I pray to. And if a young boy needs it and he's on a path like me, where he's trying to understand where his spirituality and his and his uh, queerness and blackness and 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 personhood and and artist, you know, side intersect, right. be, it'll look something like this. And from there, then you can decide, you know, d decide and design what you want to create to add to that. But we are this far, we've come this far questioning, and we've come this far because of art. Because, because of, of art. art. I said thank you to Aries season uh, this year, but I started the season talking about uh, talking to a trans uh, performer from Chicago and I'm ending it talking to you. And the theme, one of the themes about this was, uh, and I listen to my Channy all the time. So if you get, you know, this is a bug, <laughs> get, get your Channy Nicholas app. She, yeah, she I have it. Really dope, but she talked about how this time would be a time of uh, reckoning a process of individ uh, individuation of thinking about um, uh, artistry, storytelling, and the link between that uh, being queer or femme and the commodity, right? Like commodifying this. So it's funny that you kind of bring this up because we are absolutely in that space and in that time now, astrologically, uh, but also just personally, where we yeah. are trying to understand how do we keep our integrity as artists and still survive in the world as artists and kind of like For sure. making that thing happen. So I absolutely get, I absolutely get it. The other. I think the um, the other thing that you kind of mentioned, right, is a, uh, you know about breeding community is really fascinating to me because the thing that I found performing these very very personal songs is that it seems like you're the only one that went through it, and this could be your personal yes. story. And if you just have the courage to tell whatever your personal story is that is already gonna breed community. Like For the sure. truth breeds community. And so many people are showing up, loving you and living- who you actually you. are. Because, and, and specifically because you had the, the courage to tell your story and people latch on to that. People latch on to that. And it's so beautiful to see that you're like, you can be honest about this thing. Mm. We can't. We walk around so much believing that we had to hide that part of ourselves, and I get it. You know, especially thinking about how you and I, you know, are cis. You know, cis walking around and how we've used masculinity and where we're from and how it wasn't a. You know, thank God we've gotten to this space, right, of a right. supposed sense of safety where we can then 
uh, interrogate ourselves and interrogate our ways of being and navigating in the world and maybe invite a little bit more of our femininity to come out or our queerness, yeah. like, right? But, the, but these were defense mechanisms and we are not the only people that do, we are not the only ones that do this black queer men. There are black men that are overly nice. There are black men that are that smile and dance. Yes, and do all of that for their survival, yeah. for their survival to not make white people feel threatened or to not yeah. make people feel threatened by their existence. How deep yeah. is that? How deep is it that I have to go outside of my way? To make you feel good. To make you feel good about a psychosis. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling my I was telling my homegirl about this earlier because one of the biggest things for me, because I talked about this in therapy, and I know you're also an advocate for mental health. Yes, got my appointment tomorrow. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, Tuesdays. I don't miss it. Tuesdays. Yep. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Mine's on Wednesday. I, I talked to somebody else. I, I, I have different check-ins throughout the week with different people. Because I, love that. I, I love need it. That I need it. I need it. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I talked to my therapist about was the unrelenting anger that I had mm -hmm. that I would wake up with as just, just as a black man. I'm like, none of this shit is fair. Yeah. None of it. And I would get, I used to get so angry. And I used to could like, it would, de it would um, demobilize. Demoralize. Could demobilize you too, shit. Yeah, it would just stop me from being able to move, to think properly. To, oh, wow, to, yeah. Like, to, it, it could just take me out. And I used to think that it was depression. And my therapist was like, no, it's like you're waking up every day and you're short-circuiting your nervous system and you're burning yourself out before 11 o'clock in the morning. Exhausting. Because all you're doing is you're, you're exhausting yourself. Oh my God. And so what I've had to do is I've had to learn how to release a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've had to learn how to identify my actual, my actual part in something, my actual problem. And it's, racism itself is a fucked up thing. Capitalism itself is a fucked up thing. And that's a and that's a countrywide nation. That's affecting all of us, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Even if you're rich, poor, whatever, there's still a divide between people because of these things. We're still divided. For I had to take it and say, but for my mental health, in order for me to carry on and to do a podcast and to do the work that I do on myself and to do music and to and to be an uncle and to be a brother and to be a partner and to be a lover to be anything else I'm gonna have to have to figure out a way to not let this control the rest of my life I'm gonna have to figure out a way to to live with the fact that all of this stuff is happening and we kind of touched on it earlier. My part is doing what I do. It's to my, me and my therapist came to the conclusion, tell the story, make the art, put the book out, write the book, put the book out, tell the truth. Yes. Cry when you need to cry, feel what you need to feel, but 
it was it was the, it was that piece of advice that my therapist gave me and the lyric from uh Beyonce song find your way back oh my god that's the one i'm that's the one oh my god that song the choreo but just the yes yes don't yes. let this life drive you crazy yes cuz it will if you let it it will, will if you let it and like for a, like almost a month straight, I was waking up just singing that song because, I mean, it got especially after last summer, mm -hmm. with everything, bro, with everything. I was just like, "What is the point?" Mm -hmm. I kept asking myself, "What is the point?" And I and we can if I die tomorrow, I wouldn't die knowing what the point was but I can at least die knowing that I gave it my fucking all and I didn't let somebody quiet me that just because they disagree with me. I didn't let somebody take away the one thing that I had, which is my joy. But, but, but even, yes, exactly. And, and, and what if there is no point? There was a song that was very, that found me in a very important time because I was having this moment. We all had that moment last year. People are are having a moment right now. We're having a moment right now again. But the song Fela Kuti Suffer, he says, Suffer for world, suffer for world, basically like, what good is that? I need I need to find the exact lyrics, but mm. if if you feel like you're about to suffer for this world, you know. I don't get the, like, what is the point? There will always be something to suffer for. You really do right. have to then kind of scale it back and take your attention back because it's your mm -hmm. life force and you really have to direct it and you really have to direct your mind and direct your life. Well, I know what I felt like last year. I know what that anger feels like. I know what that dark place feels like. And mm. To, and to, I don't know what it feels like again, too. Like it ain't, it's it exists because I exist. Yeah. And there's times where it's okay to go into that, and then there's as long as you always go. I go into it now, knowing that I'm com I'm coming out. Yes. I don't go there and be and believe and let and allow my mind to believe that that's where I reside. Mm. No, it's a place that I visit. Mm. I live in peace. But every now and then I have to go and visit the Shadowlands so that I know so that I know how good it is. And that's okay. Like the, everybody everybody is. Everybody's over there. And I it just it feels good to feel good. You know, it just feels good to like not be broken mm. beyond repair in my mind anymore. Mm -hmm. Hey, so Roy, we do this thing. I do this thing. We do this, yes, we. I'm gonna say we. We do this thing on the podcast where um, it's called Words of Wisdom. Uh, and I'm opening it up a little bit. Last week, I did, um, I did, I, I just talked to myself because I was kind of feeling like down and I gave myself words of wisdom. Um, but it, it, it can be affirmations. It can be something that someone has told you in your life that has shaped and helped you. I'm, I see you looking for a book, so I think you're gonna grab. I'm gonna get a, a word. Book. Yeah, do your thing. Yeah, I'll I'll just read something for for today. This is a book that I really really love called The Book of Awakening, and sometimes it's a story and a piece of wisdom in there. So I don't yeah. I don't know, but 
but this felt like a good time to visit that. And we'll just go to today's date, which is April 19th. And I'll read from that if that's okay. Yes, please. Share with <laughs> this the people. This one says, uh, outweighing clouds. The bud and half bloom outweighs the cloud. Some days I wake up with a cloud around my heart and it dulls everything except the weight I carry deep inside. Yet, just because I can't make it to the light of to to the light today doesn't mean that the light has vanished. In truth, the heart, like the earth, is continually blanketed by ever-changing atmospheres that come and go between who we are and how we live our days. So faith, it seems, can be defined as the uh, as the effort to believe in light when we're covered by clouds. And though it feels like the sun will never come again, the truth is it has never stopped burning its light. In fact, its heat and warmth is burning steadily right now on the far side of whatever cloud we are under. If we could only suspend our judgments when clouded in the heart, for many skepticisms are born from conclusions drawn when unable to see as if any kind of understanding will prevent the clouds from coming or going again and again, but no cloud lasts forever. The earth and all that grows from it knows this well. So does the heart and everything that grows from it. In spite of all our very understandable pains. And then he says, you know, to uh, sit outside when you can and watch the clouds come and go. Breathe slowly and evenly and feel the sky open and close above you. Note how the trees and flowers do not collapse when the clouds roll in and draw strength from this. That is the most beautiful thing, bro. <laughs> that was just so perfect for everything that you were saying. Roy Kenzie, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming and being a part of my, my little experiment over here. I hope you have... Beautiful. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your evening, man. Thank you so much for like sharing that wisdom with us. Um, I'm going to make sure I put your info in the bio so that everybody knows where to follow you. Uh, you and I, we have a song coming out soon, but I think I would love for you to help me write on my next EP, honestly. You already know. I I would I would love to. I mean, at least, you know, I'm I'm happy to say and feel that I, you know, have met a new friend and I'm really happy um, about that, but I'm just proud of you. I'm just proud that you're in the world and shining your light in, in all the ways and wanting to do that. So thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast and to have a conversation that is, uh, you know, was a healing one. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, man. Okay. All right, y'all. We'll see y'all next week. Right now, I'm right here. Right now, I'm right here. You've been listening to Right Now, Right Here with Apollo Mighty. I'd like to thank you, my guests, and my sponsors for making this possible. If you have any questions or suggestions for guests or topics, send an email to Apollo at ApolloMighty.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. I'll see you next week for another episode of Right Now, Right Here.